Well, good morning. I wouldn't start clapping just yet. That may be a bit premature. Can we give it up for Sherry and the team, actually, just this morning? Man, I hope you all realize just how blessed you are with the leadership you have here. And uh, I am so deeply humbled and honored to be with you here this morning. I want to just pray for us one more time. And I want to, before we do that, just to take five seconds of silence. I know a lot of us may be rushed here, and you'll be rushing when we leave. So let's just close our eyes, breathe deeply, just be still for just a second or two, and then I'll, uh, I'll pray for us. Father, for some of us, that may have been the first moment of silence we've had in a long time. And if we're honest, God, I think often we schedule ourselves so full because we're afraid of what we might hear in the silence. So I pray, God, that you would move, that you would redeem and restore in ways that only you can, that I would decrease so that you may increase. And God, we are so grateful that you know us by name and that you're here in our midst today. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. Um, Well, I'm a bit sick today. I am on codeine, so this will either be terrible or entertaining. So either way, it's sort of a win for you. Um, but I want to begin by asking a question. Uh, have you ever been digging through old photos and you found a picture of yourself and you thought, who let me leave the house like this? Anyone ever? Yeah, I brought a little treasure for you here this morning. Um, yeah, that's the face of someone with not a lot of friends. He's pointing off in the distance as if to say, there go my friends. There they are. At least I have my bunny. <laughs> But uh, I did take some comfort in the fact that I think this was genetic, actually. This is a real family photo, and uh, I'm not quite sure what my dad was smoking at the time this was taken. (laughs) For those of you playing along at home, this happy camper right here is me. As if someone held up a mirror and I'm seeing for the first time what we're wearing, right? Um, But fortunately, though, I did outgrow this and started making better decisions with my attire. Yeah, again, no Photoshop, unfortunately, there. Uh, Today we're talking about circles. We're in week two. And this right here, that was up there in a second, um, that's why we need circles. We need people to speak to us honestly, to look us in the face and prevent us from going out looking the way that I did most of my life, maybe still today. The whole concept is rooted in this idea of pushing back on the tendency to do life alone. All of us, introverted and extroverted, I think have this tendency deep in our being to push back on authentic, transparent community. So last week, we talked about the importance of moving from rows to circles. So right here, we're gathered in rows, and we said this last week, and I'll say it again today, that we love Rows. What, what we do here on Sunday mornings across the globe is beautiful, is powerful. But we have a couple of things that we say at my church. The first is this, that Sunday is the push, not the point. It's the push, not the point, that we gather and we celebrate and we sing and we educate our kids and we commune together. But it's to push us then to live on mission for the gospel. The other way that we say it is that Sunday mornings is the battleship, not the cruise liner. 
It's the battleship, not the cruise liner. That we're not coming just to simply sit in comfortable chairs and to hear some truisms and sing some songs. It's to prepare then to live on mission the other six days of the week in our actual lives. Because it's in community that real life change happens. It's in community that we deeply belong. It's in community, it's in circles that we pray for one another, that we can care for one another. But I, I mean, I'll level with you. I'm a pastor. So a lot of you may be thinking, well, of course he's going to talk about small groups, right? Like that's pretty much in his DNA. He has to talk about it. That's like the churchy thing to do. And I, I really do believe that there are a lot of obstacles to joining a small group, to, to living life in circles. The first is probably um, most obvious, and that's busyness. Does anyone feel perhaps a little rushed this morning? Anyone, maybe you've already had multiple thoughts about what you have to do as soon as you leave from here, right? We've often said at our church that Jesus maybe has space in your heart, but not in your calendar. Um, That was true for me for much of my early Christian walk, that I was happy to pray a prayer, but please don't ask me to add anything else to that, though. Many of us are just crammed too tight. Maybe it's fear, Maybe fear is keeping you from joining a smoke. And not like, not fear that they're going to like poison you or something, right? Hopefully that's not the fear. But the fear of being really known, the fear of looking someone in the eye and them asking deeply, how are you actually doing? How is your marriage actually doing? What are your kids really struggling with? Or maybe it's honestly tiredness. Does anyone here, let's see a show of hands, please don't point. You're just exhausted by people. Real, real talk. <laughs> right? You're like, thank God there's a cafe back there. I just need coffee to get through. There's so many people, sometimes tiredness. We get home, and we just don't want to deal with any more people. And I would add maybe a a fourth one to that list. Um, Can we just level with each other? Some people are just weird. Can we? In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm actually a little weird. Go ahead. Just turn to your neighbor. I'm I'm actually a little weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's the, you're enjoying that way too much, by the way. (laughs) Here's the irony. A lot of us will come home from a long day of work and we will sit in a row on our couch and watch other people in circles, won't we? Right? Netflix, sitcoms, whatever it is, we will watch other people do circles alone in a row. But I would tell you this morning that we are missing out. We are made for circles. We are built for circles. There's this really brilliant uh, French professor and author named Dr. Gilbert something or other, and he put it this way. (laughs) says, the silent churning at the core of our beings is the tormenting need to know and be known. He's saying the churning that's at the center of all of us, to understand and be understood, to possess and to be possessed, to belong unconditionally and forever without fear of loss, betrayal, or rejection. Does that sound beautiful to anyone this morning? I don't care what your story is, what background brought you here. Every single one of us at some heart level has that churning inside of us. And in a row, that can't happen. In a row, you can't be fully known. You can't be fully understood. You can't be fully loved. Now, this idea of circles is not new. 
You could argue, actually, that circles have been happening since the very beginning of time and even before that. In Trinitarian language, we actually even see circle language. The Godhead, three in one. God was the first circle in and of himself. There is community happening here. Now, a thousand years ago, there was a guy named King Solomon who wrote about this idea. King Solomon became king after his very famous dad, King David, no pressure, died. So King Solomon became king, and God offered to grant him uh, one gift. He said, ask for one thing, and I will give it to you. So imagine you're Solomon at the beginning of your career, and God says one thing, go for it. What would you ask? A great, greater military power? Maybe immeasurable wealth, Right? Maybe just one more season of Arrested Development, please. Oh, that would be awesome. But Solomon asks for wisdom. He asks for wisdom, and God is so pleased with his request that he grants him wisdom. And people travel from all across the globe to consult with Solomon. Teach us, mold us, Solomon. Fortunately for us, a lot of Solomon's wisdom was recorded in a few books of the Bible, And one of them is called Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes 4, Solomon talks about how critical it is to live in circles. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, it says this. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Have you ever seen someone fall alone? Not like a skateboarder in the park, weirdo. Like, like someone falling financially, right? In fact, I, I was amazed in the early years growing up in Detroit um, how, how much um, I found the story of those that we worked with in the soup kitchens. Their story really was not often about addiction. It was about aloneness. I would hear story after story of people telling pretty normal accounts of how I had this job. I broke my arm. I couldn't do my job anymore. I got fired from my job. I couldn't afford my, um, my apartment, and now I'm here. And I'm thinking, that you fell alone. Maybe you've seen someone fall relationally alone. Marriage is crumbling. They hit some kind of crisis, and they have no one to turn to. What about like a physical fall, someone in a hospital bed? We actually used to go to the local nursing home, and I would just ask the people at the counter, who hasn't had a visitor in a while? And the lady would say, the list is a mile long. And we would bring flowers and just visit with, and they would weep because no one had seen them in six, nine, 12 months. They suffered physically alone. Are we tracking? You know what I'm saying? Sadly, I see this all the time. As, as a pastor... A lot of us work really, really hard, right, to get ahead, to make something of ourselves. And at the end of the day, we come home and we just honestly don't feel like we have the energy. And as a pastor, what ends up happening a lot is that I'll, I'll get a call in times of crisis and someone will say, Pastor, Pastor, can you help? And I have to ask every time, are you in a group? In fact, we had a story of a woman at our church who called me and said, I, I've been having suicidal thoughts. In fact, last night I, I attempted, would you please meet with me? So we got coffee, and so I asked her this question in the course of the conversation, are you in a group? And she said, I knew you were going to ask that. And I said, well, at least I'm predictable. That's good. 
And I said, can I urge, can I, can, I, can I just challenge you one more time to find a group? And so she found a group, and that next Sunday she came running up to me, just tears in her eyes. She said, Pastor, you wouldn't believe it. I just picked a group at random. I kind of shared my struggle, and these ladies just rallied around me, and they put together a schedule of going on my morning walks with me and calling me throughout the day and helping prepare meals and just simply sitting with me. This circle has saved my life. That's the power of knowing and being known. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Detroit, so a little crowd participation is always encouraged, by the way. A little show enough or mm-hmm, any of that is perfectly good. Circles help us when we fall. That's the beauty of circles. When you fall, there are people who know you. They know your story. They walk with you. You can call them at 3 a.m. and they're there. Do you have that group of someone so you can call at 3 a.m.? According to the American Sociological Review, the answer for a lot of us is no. They found that one in four people do not have a single close confidant. One in four. Another 20% said they only have one person in their entire life. If you're doing the math, that means almost 50 of us, 50% of us, when times of crisis hit, have either one or zero close people that we can trust, that we can call at 3 a.m., that will walk this road with us. Staying in rows will do that. Circles are for everyone. For those of you who are parents, this isn't just for you. This is for your kids. Right now, in here, your kids at junior hires are not just simply attending Kid City or Stuco. They're in circles. Do you know that? A small group leader is pouring into them. They're getting to know their walking life with a group of other students. This is why we ask Kid City's teachers to be there every week because they're not just babysitting. It's not just childcare. They're pouring into them in a circle. This is why this is so important. Because somewhere down the road, your kid is going to fall. Gasp, I know. Your kid is going to screw up. Your kid's going to make a bad decision. Your kid might start listening to Nickelback. It's true. It might. We pray that it doesn't happen. But it might. Circles are for everyone, but they're not just here to help us when we fall. They can also help prevent falling in the first place. Listen to what 11 and 12 here in Ecclesiastes 4 says. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. He's saying that on your own, you don't fend too well, but in a circle, you can prevent a lot from happening. Someone has your back. Someone stands by you. This may come as a surprise, but that big-headed, overall-wearing, bunny-wielding child you saw before got beat up a lot. I could have used a circle a number of times in my life. So the two big things I think circles prevent. One, circles prevent blind spots. You ever been uh, like driving down the road? And you see someone put their blinker on to merge into a lane where there's already a car. Anyone ever seen that before? For some reason, we all have the same reaction, right? Like we see it happening and all we can really go is, yeah. That's like the universal noise that all of us, yeah, right? And that person maybe swerves or they honk or they start screaming or they lift just one particular finger up pointing them to heaven as some sort of evangelism, I'm sure. <laughs> right? I can only assume... 
That's a lot of what circles do. They can help prevent blind spots. They can see things that you can't see yourself. People who have been married longer, people who have been walking this road longer, they can see things before you see them and things that you yourself cannot see. That's what circles do. It's kind of like, it's kind of like spinach in your teeth. Anyone ever had like a day of interviews or hanging out with people and you came home and you looked in the mirror and it's just blammo right there? Yes. You're like, Did I, do I have no friends? Is that what this is? This entire salad stuck in my teeth? This is ridiculous. That's not necessarily fun to point them out or to have them pointed out, but it's critical. If you're single in here, this is really important. A lot of you live by yourself. In fact, Early in my ministry, I was living by myself, and to my horror, after I preached two sermons, I realized that my fly was down the entire time. (laughs) True story, right? A lot of people didn't come back that week. (laughs) But if you're married, this applies to you too, that every marriage needs outside support. Even single people can help identify the spinach in your teeth. Circles help prevent blind spots. The second thing it prevents is isolation. There are going to be times of crisis, but remember what Solomon wrote in verse 12. Do we have verse 12 here again? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Pastor Andy Stanley explains it this way. He says, a small group is a lot like a retirement fund. If you wait until you need it, It won't be there. But if you invest now, if you make it a priority, you can draw from it when you need it. He goes on to say this. I've never met anyone in authentic community whose broken heart left them broken. Isn't that beautiful? I've never met anyone in authentic community whose broken heart left them broken. Those who have a circle fare much better when the difficult times come. Even the most difficult times imaginable. Jim and Lori know what that is like. So I want you to hear their story now. And this is my husband, Jim. And we've been coming to community for about 18 years. Small group for me was a foreign term. I grew up in the South, obviously, and then we had Sunday school. We didn't have small groups, per se. And... My wife kept pushing me because she's more relational than me. And then I really got connected uh, through the musicians here. And then another group called the Fight Club for me. It was six guys that had the similar backgrounds. And uh, we really connected that way. And that helped a lot. That went on for years. That was probably 15 years ago. And we still, I spent an hour on the phone yesterday with one of my friends from that group. Then we did get into a couple small groups. And that was also just awesome. And the funny thing is, is that our kids loved it because yeah. we, it was a couple small group, but the kids, you know, a lot of times would be in another room, you know, and so they got to form friendships. Our whole life was our small group, basically, because our family's not here. And so our small group was our family, family yeah. here. It was one of the best periods of their life. And is, ours. Is, and ours, yeah, meeting with small group. Yeah, and, and now really there was. And now there are... They're our best friends of, yeah. of all. The people that have just been with us through the hardest year of our life has been the people from our small group. Yep. In 2014, December the 23rd, 
my wife and I were wrapping presents in the living room floor and we got a phone call about 9.30 and it was one of our sons, David, and he said that Chad, his younger brother by a year, had, they were at the local fitness center playing basketball and he had fallen and they were pumping his chest and he wasn't breathing. On the way to the hospital, uh, Laurie got on the phone and started emailing, texting and calling her small group and I started getting different text messages and stuff from members of my small group. When I came out of the emergency room at 11.05 and they told me that my son Chad, who was 20 years old, had had a heart attack and he was, they couldn't revive him, I kind of fell into the arms of my small group members. I did not realize how many people were there. And the hospital just filled. There was so many people there between, because my kids are in small groups, so their friends were there. I would think know? there was probably 40 to 50 people there from different small oh, yeah. groups. Bill and Sherry live in Omaha and they literally found out, left in the middle of the night and drove 10 hours to be with us and stayed with us for a week. We spent Christmas Day at the funeral home making details for Chad's service and picking out urns or caskets or trying to decide what clothes to dress him in. That was not a good Christmas. And Bill and Sherry were right there at the table with us. Honestly, I, as I look back at the, this last year, I don't know if we'd even be sitting here today if it weren't for our small groups, the women and the men that we have, that have helped us do life. If I would have been back 18 years ago with the little kids and not having that community, I, I don't know how we would have gotten through this, this year. Life is life, it's hard. Yeah. And it makes it easier and more acceptable when you're in a group. For me, you know, it's been the women that have held my hand and listened to me cry or literally hold me up when I can't stand. Life is easier in a circle than it is in a straight line. Uh, and it has been, you know, when you pray, you, you join hands and you usually get in a circle. I was holding hands with a bunch of guys one night and we were saying our prayer before we left. And I said, as long as I've got you under this arm and you under this arm, I'll be okay. And I, and I really did feel that. We're made for circles. We're built that way. It's not an accident. So I have two challenges for you. The first should be obvious. If you're not in a group, if you're not in a circle, my prayer is that you wouldn't leave today without taking a step towards that. You can fill out a communications card, you can mark that you want to get connected, or you can go to the welcome desk in the back there. And the second is for those of you who are in a group, I know how easy it is to assume that if I'm in a group, I'm covered, but if we're really honest, a lot of us are in groups, but we're not invested. We're, we're not intentional. We're not consistent. I, I would challenge you to begin today to really know and be known. Just like 
Jim said, to actually link arms with brothers and sisters because we were not built for rows. We're built for circles. We're built to look each other in the face and say, I know this seems hard. I know this seems tragic. I know it seems like the bottom has dropped out. I'm with you in this. We are in this together, you and I. We were built that way. Ultimately, this is the gospel. It's because of the gospel that we get to opt out of the rat race of being good enough and smart enough to having it all together. Isn't that the declaration of the cross? That on our own, we are not good enough. We cannot pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We need one another. I want you to hear this this morning. God's affection for you is not based on your performance for him. So we can begin to pull back the layers to be known. Because how can we know the God of community if we ourselves are not in it? So as we close, I want you to think about your own family a little bit. The family you grew up in. What might have been different in your life growing up if your dad was in a men's group? If your parents had been in a small group experiencing authentic community? If you had grown up in a group of Christ followers who loved you, there for you and helped you mature along the way. What do you need to say no to in order to say yes to God this morning? Let's pray. Father, you are beyond description. You spoke and the very planets and universe came into existence as a response to your word and yet you know us by name. You exist in community yourself and have built us know and be known. Give us the courage, God, to push back on the tendency to do this thing by ourselves. We thank you. We love you. And we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen.